Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, you may remember on Limerick Today not so long ago that we heard from Dennehy Motors uh, a few weeks ago about collecting supplies to bring to Ukraine on a bus and to return with refugees. Well, they've done it now and Rory Dennehy joins us on the line this morning to tell us how they got on. Good morning to you, Rory. Good morning, Gillian. How are you? Thanks for having me back on. Oh, well, it's great to hear from you. Um, obviously, the last time you were on, it was all systems go. And uh, I'd imagine a lot of work went into the preparations for the trip. But uh, remind us what exactly you were bringing over. Yeah, I suppose, <coughs> Gillian, excuse me. Yeah, what we were bringing over was what the um, authorities, uh, the Polish authorities working the refugee centres on the Polish-Ukrainian borders requested. So, you know, our idea was simple in one sense. It was to bring a busload uh, filled with supplies, essential supplies, uh, such as medical supplies, children's clothes uh, and generators, funnily enough. So that, that, that's what we reached out for, and that's what the general public in Limerick um, uh, gave up, plus uh, a lot of financial donations as well. So the response from the local community and from our customers was absolutely incredible, and I just, I just really want to say thank you. The people we met there, the people we handed the, the supplies to ourselves, they were extremely grateful. They'll be put to good use, um, and they will make a difference. So tell us about the journey over there. What, ex- what sort of transportation was used? How long did it take? Well, it, it, was, it was threefold. Because the response for supplies was so great, there was, there was collections going on in Limerick uh, through ourselves, but there was also a collection going on in Cronin Coaches in Cork. And there was a third collection going on with Quinn Coaches in Newry in the north of Ireland. So the response was so good that we actually had the 53-seater bus filled quite quickly. And we had to follow up with two trucks, which were towing Arctic trailers. So we actually had a convoy of goods going out in the end. Um, the vehicles left roughly, you know, one of the trucks left on a Wednesday before Paddy's uh, and the bus. Um, and another truck followed out a day or two later. We're still ha- we still have supplies coming in, which we're going to actually have to put on a pallet and courier out in time. Um, and then logistically for the support team... Uh, my brother John, he flew out actually the Sunday before Paddy's because he needed to meet our contacts, uh, NGOs on the ground, working uh, in the refugee centres to try and identify uh, people to come back on the bus. And myself and Natasha Zerbina, who's a Ukrainian lady mm-hmm. uh, who's been living and working in Limerick for the last 18 years, uh, she travelled with me on St. Patrick's Day as, a, as an interpreter. And I, I say interpreter, but she, she turned into our Florence Nightingale, basically. So we were very, very fortunate to have her with us. Uh, I'd like to thank her for coming also. Wow. Um, so, so the journey itself, you know, obviously, cross ferries, do you go over through the UK and over to Poland or what no, way? No, yeah, well, funny enough, bringing the, bringing the supplies out is the easier part because we could go through the UK because, you know, there's no issues with visas. But coming back really was the, was the more difficult one. Um, we, we, couldn't, we couldn't bring Ukrainian uh, people back through the UK because there could be complications with immigration. Uh, in relation to visas. So what we did was we travelled from Poland uh, through Germany, through Belgium, and then on into France. And we got a ferry from Cherbourg to Rosslare, and then obviously bust from Rosslare into Cork. Uh, The Kingsley Hotel in Cork were good enough to put everybody up for two nights, free of charge. So that gave everybody an opportunity, really, I suppose, to, you know, for, for our guests to have a little bit of private time, yeah. get some sleep, refresh, you know, just a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of dignity. 
uh, back into their lives. So look, that, that's, that's, that was really, really important. And we're actually going down to meet our guests now in about an hour's time to introduce them to their host families. Uh, really looking forward to that, you know. Talk to me, Rory, about these guests, as you call them. Um, how was the selection process made? Who, who decided to come? Um, a little bit about these people, with their, their level of English, perhaps, that kind of thing. It, it, yeah, I suppose, like, look, it, it's, there's, there's, there's wave after wave, um, you know, of refugees mm. crossing that border. So everyone's in transit. When they get to the border, typically people are sick because they've been travelling for days, they've been standing out all night, maybe with children in the freezing cold before they can actually get across the border. So the initial refugee centre that they, they come cross into, they typically just stay for a couple of days, but typically they're unwell, they need to rest. From there, the next staging point is a place called Resho. It's the, the full market, uh, it's a refugee centre there. That's the airport that we would have flown into. Um, there's a refugee centre there, but again... People are only allowed to stay there for two days. So inside that refugee centre, there's about 550 beds, either fold-up beds, and literally they're lined up next to each other. There isn't an inch between the beds. Um, so you'll have 550 people staying there, and pretty much it changes every two days. So from there, they're going to be shipped on to you know, train stations and dispersed to the Warsaw, onwards from Warsaw to wherever, Krakow, Berlin, wherever they end up going. So everybody's in, in transit. Things change drastically, uh, literally by the minute. So... You know, we would have had a bus, a bus filled to go, and you know, you could get a call four hours later, and ten people might not be on it, and and then you could have another fifteen people want to get back on it in another fifteen hours. So there was actually quite a bit of work um, ensuring that we got people on that bus that they would be there. More importantly. Um, on the day to get on the bus because we, you know, we wanted to come back with, with as many people as possible. And how uh, many and did you? What happened here, we, we came back with 34 people on the bus and a dog, a dog called Asa. <laughs> uh, the, the, the what most, kind of dog well, was it? The, 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 it was a, you know what, it was a, it was a rescue dog. It was mm. a, a bit of a mixed breed, okay. but like the, the, the lady... A, the a lady, member of the, somebody's the, family. <laughs> yeah. The lady that brought that dog back, you know, refused her, her dress for family. We flew back because they, they, they couldn't travel on the bus. Mm. Uh, long story, but I mean, she, she insisted um, on travelling. She would not leave the country without that dog. Yeah. She, uh, when, we got, when we got on the ferry, she hadn't, you know, she hadn't slept for a while. She stayed up all night uh, on the deck hugging that dog. Yeah. Um, you know, so like you have, you have those bonds and when, yeah. when, you, when you see it, I mean, you know, these it, people it, have it, left it's cruel to watch. All, all of their worldly possessions behind. So I can understand that the, the dog becomes more and more important. Uh, so is it m- mostly women and children? It, it, it was, yeah, like, look, it's, you know, obviously there's martial law in the Ukraine, so it's all women and children fleeing. We did have, we did have one elderly gentleman with us. He was about 82 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, all women and children on the bus. So and there's about 34 on the bus, about another 15 flying back this week. We've three more coming on a ferry When on did they Saturday. make the decision to come? When the, did these people decide, yes, well, I'll go to Ireland? They, they made the decision to come when they met us. Uh, when, when, they, when they, you know, like most, a lot of these people will, will never have heard of Ireland. A lot of these people have yeah. never been out of the country. It, it was, it was amazing when we got to Cherbourg. Uh, you're on a little, you're on a little bit of a hill, and you can see the water for the first time. You see the, the port, and all of a sudden, you know, everyone's tired. They haven't slept for two days. They're on a bus, so <laughs> all of a sudden, there's excitement, and there's people standing up and taking photographs. I thought they'd seen a celebrity, but you know, they, they hadn't seen the sea before. Yeah, wow. yeah we're bringing them, we're bringing them to shelter them on our island. You know. Yeah, it's, it's it's incredible. And ch- how young are some of the children? 
Uh, we had a mix, really. We had, we had from three years old up to, you know, as I said, an 80-plus-year-old. But, you know, we had probably about 14 children. You know, we had about seven or eight under the age of 10. Uh, really lovely kids, but, you know, some of them severely traumatised. We, we had one child there, like, and, you know, I, I have small kids of the age, you know, seven, eight years old, and all they want to do is play Minecraft. Well, you know, this kid, like no other, he's playing Minecraft, but he's, he's building bomb shelters, you know, just to put it in perspective. Uh, he, he's drawing paintings when he draws paintings. He's, he's drawing, you know, civilians dying, kids dying. It's what, it's what he's seen. It's what he's describing in his paintings. Um, so it's really it's harrowing to watch. So I know you've had a, a, a wonderful response from people in terms of host families offering to host the, the refugees who've arrived. Most of them are staying in Cork, as I understand it at the moment. Have any come to Limerick? There's, there, there, what happened was there was such there was such a such a response from the general public. Initially, we wanted to get people into Cork and Limerick, but we we, we literally like we needed you know were we looking for maybe thirty forty houses. We, we had about a hundred people come back to us, which is huge. It's a big ask to bring somebody into your home. I understand that it's not for everybody. Most people won't be able to facilitate it. To be fair, and um, what we wanted to do with this group was keep them together. They, they started to bond on a long journey, I think, to, to, you know, as a support group for each other. Um, we wanted to keep them, you know, as close together as possible because I think they'll integrate into society a lot quicker and, more importantly, I think they'll support themselves. So we were fortunate enough where we could kind of house everybody within maybe a 25-minute drive of each other. Uh, and I, I think that's going to be important for them in the long term. Um, Absolutely, that solidarity between them. You're, are you involved in bringing more refugees back to Ireland, well, including Limerick? Well, uh, uh, as, I, as I said, look, at, like you know, this started off. We, we had an objective. We, we've, we've achieved that. Uh, we have more people flying in, as I said, you know, this week um, and at the weekend, and that's our full focus at the moment. Like, there are going to be tens of thousands of people coming from the Ukraine into Ireland over the next few weeks. Like, there is wave after wave about to come. I mean, what we're looking at here is history in the making. I think we're going to be looking back in 20 years' time. We're going to have, we're going to have large Ukrainian communities, hopefully, in our country, mm. you know. Hopefully they're going to integrate. Uh, the Ukrainians I met are fantastic people, really, really fantastic people, are proud people, are friendly people. Uh, they want to work, you know. They're not looking for anything. They want to work. It's not their choice that they're here, you know. Yeah. And um, so, just remind me what type of accommodation you're looking for. Uh, well, host families. I think. Look, for for us, the big one was like, you know, we we want we want people to. Sorry, the only way it's going to work, and we've seen it in Poland. This is exactly what the Polish have done. They've opened their doors. They've taken people in. By doing that, you can help people integrate into the community a lot quicker than perhaps you know. I, I know there's an immediate situation, and people need to be housed in hotels, and you know places maybe that don't have access access to services and like we've seen the direct provision model and you know it, it has its flaws let's be honest about it and so i think if if, if and, and there has been a huge response to the red cross the red cross mm-hmm. has like twenty thousand pledges of accommodation it's incredible absolutely incredible we should be so proud yeah and um, but that needs to continue i think before we let you go rory um how do people get in touch with uh, your own safe harbour campaign if they do want to offer accommodation or any other support? Yeah, if they do, and it, 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 it would be appreciated, we're still collecting funds, uh, they can go to safeharbourforukraines.org. Okay.
All right. Well, look, we wish you the very best with that campaign. It sounds like you've done amazing work. Congratulations to you and all the people who supported you throughout it um, because obviously these are dire needs and urgent needs and anything anybody can do to contribute some help to campaigns like Safe Harbour is obviously very, very welcome. Thanks, Rory, for joining us on the programme this morning. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95.